Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Hi everyone, I'm Kate and I'm going to be reading the Bible for us tonight. The passage is from Mark chapter 8, verse 27 to 38. From verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this, adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Thank you, Kate. Good evening, everyone. It's great to be with you tonight. And uh, it's great to just join together, isn't it? I think over COVID, we've really appreciated this, yeah? Because when it's taken away and then you get it back, you're like, oh, that's so good. So it's great. And every Sunday when we gather, we've got things to be thankful for. Because even when everything else is falling apart, we have Jesus. And he is above all things to be thankful for. We have extra reason to give thanks today. I'm going to let you know uh, what God did amongst us last week at Thanksgiving Day. You may remember uh, that our target for this year was $110,000 and that would have allowed us to uh, support all the different projects that we had uh, put up before you. I can let you know that uh, we have received in the bank over $180,000. Yeah. So, yeah, feel free to clap or cheer or whatever because that is just incredible and I've got to tell you I've been looking at that figure for a few days now almost in disbelief going does that really say what it says because I I don't get that that is a work of God and I've got to tell you as well that we have money that's been pledged that isn't in our bank account yet but if that all hits our bank account our Thanksgiving day this year will exceed $200,000 And that is just incredible and we just need to be thankful to God for what he's done amongst us and what he will keep doing amongst us. And when I think about uh, that, it's a lot of money, right? But then I start thinking about the difference that that's going to make for Indigenous people in our land, for the parish of Walgett, 
who for them that sort of injection that's going to end up with, with them will just support ministry in a way that will blow their mind. It will allow people in their area to hear of Jesus and be ministered to. For the, the plain English version, that again is aimed at Indigenous people, English speakers, that's just going to allow the good news of Jesus to go out further. I think about our networks and neighbourhoods and how our community assistance fund will be there ready. So when you come across someone who's doing it hard, you can go, I know my church can help. And you can access that fund really quickly because God's people have already put it there and said, we want to use this for this. So I'm just so grateful to you and grateful to God for what he's done. And I'll give you more detail of that in, in the weeks to come as it all kind of falls into place. Um, but to, tonight I just wanted to say, praise God. I hope that uh, you've picked up on your seat your little card of thanks there, which has a verse from uh, 2 Corinthians on it, which I'll leave you to ponder. And just after that, uh, I think it's the next verse or a couple of verses later, uh, Paul says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And it's a little bit vague if he's talking about the money that was collected in his context or if he's talking about Jesus himself. Maybe both. But I want to thank God for both of those things as well. Will you pray with me? Uh, Lord God, we do thank you for your indescribable gift, for the indescribable gift of Jesus, that you sent him into the world for us, that we are recipients of your mercy and grace. We thank you so much for that. Lord, in your mercy, never allow us to cease being thankful for Jesus, for who he is, for all that he has done and for his lordship in our lives and and over this world. And we thank you too for what you have done amongst us in our Thanksgiving Day. Um, Yeah, I don't know how to process that and perhaps others here don't, but we just want to say thank you. You're a great and incredible God. And just as you've raised those funds, we know that they're yours. We thank you for the privilege of being able to partner with you in your ministry. And we pray that those funds will be used in such a way that people will hear of Jesus and that they'll be able to join with us in being thankful to to you for him and being able to praise you for Jesus. And so we pray that you will go before those funds and And you'll be preparing the ground for them that many might hear and respond in faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as Chris said, uh, this week we're moving into Vision Day and Chris has told you about why we're doing that and he's also told you a bit of the argy-bargy that happened in the staff uh, over this week. I didn't think Chris lost actually, but there you go. Uh, Different perspectives. Uh, I thought he held his own pretty well, as you could probably imagine him doing. Vision Day is an opportunity for us to think about our vision as a church and where we're headed and particularly where we're headed next year. And for those of you who have been with us for a while, I hope that you're starting to get our vision statement into your head and starting to see how it's impacting all the different things that we're doing as a church. But just to bring everyone onto the same page, if you're not quite familiar with it yet, there it is, to be a community of lifelong disciples of Jesus engaging our world with grace and truth. It has three parts to it. You can see them on the screen. But we also have three P words that help us remember this. Place, potential and purpose. 
And all of that is wrapped up in our identity in Jesus Christ. It's not just human potential, it's our potential in Jesus. It's not just a place to be, it's a place to be in Jesus. And it's not just having a purpose, but it's our purpose in Jesus. All of it is wrapped up in that. For 2022, our focus is on the second part of this vision of being lifelong disciples of Jesus or of reaching our potential in him. But what does that mean? That's what we want to think about a little bit tonight. And I have three stories of people who inspire me as lifelong disciples of Jesus that might give you a bit of a taste of what it means to be a lifelong disciple of Jesus. The first story is of an eight-year-old boy, Josh. Josh had all the ambitions and dreams typical of an eight-year-old boy. But by the age 10, a brain tumour had taken his life. Through those horrible two years, Josh remained focused on Jesus in a way that was really inspirational. He'd never read a theology book but he knew that Jesus loved him. No one had ever trained Josh how to share the gospel, but he couldn't contain himself from telling anyone who would listen, doctors, nurse, friends, how much he was looking forward to meeting Jesus and being with Jesus. Josh was a lifelong disciple of Jesus. Jesus hadn't healed him of his disease. But for Josh, discipleship was based on who Jesus is, not what Jesus would do for him. I first met Wendy when she was in jail. She was well into her 70s and quite frail. I was at jail, in case you're wondering, to play touch footy with some inmates there. Wendy was there not to run around a paddock but to run a Bible study for some inmates. When not in jail, Wendy could be found caring for people who lived in the housing commission flats not far from where she lived. Her own family somewhat represented, was representative of their families, broken, dysfunctional, not what she had once dreamed her family would become. You won't find Wendy at a church service on a Sunday morning. You'll find her at two. And then again in the evening for a third time because she loves being with young people at church as well. Jesus hasn't smoothed over all the paths of Wendy's life, but she loves him more than anything else. For her... Discipleship is founded in who Jesus is, not what he does for her. Then there's Peter. Peter is an influential writer and Christian leader. You would have heard of him. He has been engaged in some pretty heavy debates about Jesus and he hasn't always got everything right. Sometimes Peter has fumbled and bumbled through uh, different discussions and through life itself. He wouldn't mind me saying that he sometimes can be a two steps forward, three steps back kind of guy, if you know what I mean. 
Actually, I've never met Peter. Well, I have. In the pages of the Bible, in Mark chapter 8 that we had read to us tonight, Peter, the disciple of Jesus. Like Josh and Wendy, Peter discovered that Jesus wasn't going to fit into the plans that Peter had for Jesus. Peter was learning that discipleship was about who Jesus is, not what Jesus does. As we think about lifelong discipleship, we need to start with who Jesus is. And we need to make sure that we're following the right Jesus. On this particular day, Peter was walking with some of Jesus' other disciples and they were speculating. They were speculating on who people say Jesus is. And after some discussion, Jesus hones in on the real issue. And he says to Peter, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answers quite quickly. He says, you're the Messiah. He's worked it out. By Messiah, Peter meant, you're the king. You're the one that's been promised from long ago. You're the promised king who will sit on David's throne, who will rule as God's ruler. And this is great news for Peter and it's great news for the Jewish people who have been waiting for this king to arrive. But Peter hadn't quite seen Jesus clearly. While Peter recognised Jesus as the Messiah, he wanted Jesus to fit his plans for what the Messiah would do. Tim Keller has said, the real danger for us is not atheism, but that we ask God to coexist comfortably with the idols of our heart. We can recognise who Jesus is, but we can make him into the therapeutic Jesus who fixes our problems. We can recognise who Jesus is, but we can mould him into the meek and mild Jesus who might help me feel better, but who will never confront me. We can recognise who Jesus is and then ask him to follow us rather than following him. It's important that we get who Jesus is right and that we don't establish an idol in our heart that might look like Jesus but isn't really him. Because as soon as we follow that made up Jesus, we're following the wrong person. To be lifelong disciples, the first thing that we need to do is to make sure that we're following the true Jesus not the one that we make in our own image. Discipleship is based on who Jesus is, not what Jesus does. Jesus wants his disciples to see him for who he really is, to see him clearly. And so he begins teaching them in this passage about what the Messiah must do, about how he's going to be rejected about how he's going to be killed and about how he's going to rise again. But this teaching 
smashes Peter's hopes and dreams for the Messiah. This isn't the Messiah that Peter was looking for. And so Peter pulls Jesus aside and rebukes him. Who knows what words Peter uses to rebuke Jesus. They're not recorded for us and maybe for good reason. But we do know how Jesus replies to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. That's stern words. How would you feel if someone said that to you? No doubt Peter was embarrassed. No doubt Peter regretted what he'd said. But it was really clear that Jesus wasn't going to do what Peter wanted him to do. It was becoming clear to Peter that if he were to be a disciple of Jesus, then discipleship is based on who Jesus is, not what Jesus does. Well, at least not what, not whether or not Jesus does what we want him to, to do. Discipleship is based on one thing that Jesus does and that is exactly what he was teaching them, that he must die and suffer and rise again. Discipleship is based on that key act. Jesus' death and resurrection is the defining act on which we base our discipleship, but that act shows us what sort of king or what sort of Messiah Jesus is. He isn't like the other kings that are after power for themselves. He instead is the servant king. He is the king that comes to defeat sin. He is the king who comes to save the world. This is Jesus. This is the one whom we follow. Now to his credit, Peter doesn't lose heart. He didn't walk away. How easy would have it been for him just to go, you know what, I'm out, I've had it. I'm done with you, Jesus. Don't speak to me like that, I'm gone. But he didn't. Peter didn't cancel Jesus. Peter didn't undermine Jesus' leadership. And Peter didn't have to have some time in the wilderness to deconstruct his faith and then sort it all out again. He just kept following Jesus because he was learning to be a lifelong disciple, eyes fixed on who Jesus was. And because of that, Peter is someone who would grow. Lifelong disciples are convinced and convicted that they need to keep growing. Lifelong disciples stick it out like Peter did when things are tough. Lifelong disciples don't lose heart when Jesus doesn't do what they once thought he would do. They understand that the way of discipleship is the way of Jesus and the way of Jesus as he taught his disciples that day is the way of the cross, the often difficult and challenging way of the cross. And so Jesus tells Peter and all who would listen on that day what it looks like to be a disciple. In verse 34 he says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves 
take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses life for me and for the gospel will save it. Lifelong disciples don't just follow Jesus in good times. Lifelong disciples follow Jesus at all times. Lifelong disciples follow Jesus not hoping that things won't get too tough. Lifelong disciples follow Jesus knowing that things will get tough. Perhaps incredibly tough. Because that's what it means to carry your own cross. Can you imagine that being easy? I mean, sure, if you imagine the cross you might wear around your neck, that might be easy. But can you imagine actually carrying one of those crosses that people were crucified on and thinking that's going to be easy? Lifelong disciples know that it's going to be tough because Jesus told us that it's going to be tough. And so we enter prepared for those things that are challenging. We give up our rights, we deny ourselves and we live for Jesus. Earlier this year in lockdown, one of the highlights for me of lockdown was uh, being able to watch Wimbledon and particularly being able to watch Ash Barty win Wimbledon. That was good, yeah? Yeah, good. All right. At least one person in the room thought that was good along with me. She fulfilled her lifelong dream. But it didn't just happen. From the days of dreaming about holding up that Wimbledon trophy as a young girl, she went about uh, preparing herself for that day. She gave things up. She took other things on all the while working toward that goal of winning Wimbledon. Ash had that vision of holding up the trophy. She had that vision and she went about doing all that she could to achieve that vision. There was intention about what she did from a very early age. But there was also hardship along the way, even just in those last few weeks leading up to the Wimbledon tournament. How are you intentionally growing? as a lifelong disciple of Jesus. What are you doing that shows that you want the prize at the end? That shows that you want to grow as a lifelong disciple of Jesus? See, Ash didn't get to Wimbledon without setting goals that were going to keep her going. And I figure that on the whole it's true that we don't get to the end and be able to say we're a lifelong disciple without goals along the way. Now, sure, thanks to God's mercy and the gift of his spirit, we might be able to fumble along through life and end up as a disciple at the end. But what sort of discipleship is that? What's that say about the one we're following? If we're prepared to set goals in all other parts of our life, why not set goals about our discipleship? Why not bring them before God and ask him to continue to change and transform and grow us? Why not be prepared to make ourselves a bit uncomfortable to try and achieve some of those goals in his strength? 
Jesus reminded the crowd listening to him in verse 36, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Let's not set goals in all other parts of our life and neglect to set goals for our soul. How devastating would that be? The Centre for Ministry Development at Moore Theological College has put together a whole lot of data on how to grow as lifelong disciples. And I've got to say, it's, it's not like rocket science. And there's nothing that I'm about to show you that you're like, whoa, that's revolutionary. But we need to see this stuff and we need to remind ourselves of the importance of some of these things. First, let's look at church attendance and what they found out about that. They found out that going to church doesn't make you a Christian, but when you stop going to church, as you can see from the graph, you very quickly start moving away from what we would call clear Christian convictions. It's really important that if we want to be lifelong disciples, we commit to turning up to church. Now, I know it's a little bit different for me, right? I get paid to be here. It's a bit different. I acknowledge that. But Julie and I made a decision years ago when we had little kids after hearing a sermon called Just Get in the Car that we would just get in the car that there would be all sorts of reasons why we might not be able to get to church particularly when we had young kids but we would just do it. We were going to make it happen because we believed it was part of our discipleship and and important for us. Second thing that they talk about is uh, they ask people, if you, if you feel like you're growing in your faith, what are some of the things that you do? And they found three common things for people who grow in their faith. First, that they share their faith. They tell someone else about it. Second, that they invite their friends to Christian activities, whether that be church or other things, or just to hang out with their Christian friends. And third, they give at least 10% of their income to Christian ministry. Third thing is that research tells us that people generally experience growth when they spend at least four days a week in daily devotion and that's what that chart shows you. Four days a week, sitting down for 10 to 15 minutes a day, reading the Bible and praying. Who would have thought will result in Christian growth? Will help you be a lifelong disciple of Jesus. In 2022, we want to focus on helping each other live as lifelong disciples of Jesus. Given that discipleship is based on who Jesus is, we want together to be intentional about growing with Jesus. From a staff perspective, that means that we'll provide you with some resources or Bible studies that align with sermons if you're in a group that wants to follow along with the sermons in your Bible studies. We're looking at ways to strengthen our support for our small group leaders across the church as well as providing support for families who we recognise have a really critical role in raising up the next generation of lifelong disciples. And so we want to support and resource them. We want to equip people with skills and with resources essential for discipleship. 
But we want to also urge you, everyone in our congregation, to be part of a growth community, uh, a community group for those of you who are young adults, a small group, a Bible study group for others, whatever words you use, a growth community where you spend time studying the Bible, praying and integrating God's word into your life in a way that you can't do right here, right now, but you can do in that environment. We're also looking at ways to support and encourage your regular devotion. But it's not just about what the church does, right? Like that's, I think those things are good and it's good for us to support you. But at the end of the day, we want to encourage you to take some time out to set some goals for your own discipleship. We can't do that for you. We can encourage and support you in it. But we want you to take some time out to think about having a personal vision and goals that you will work towards because we think that's important if we're going to grow as lifelong disciples. From time to time in my own life, I look around at those like Josh and Wendy or Peter whose stories I shared earlier and I think about them and what inspires me and I go, what is it that I'd like more of about them in my life? And what might I need to do to get that in my life? Well, sometimes you, you could... Uh, read and reflect on scripture on passages like Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit and ask God, God, which of these fruit would you like to grow in my life at the moment? Or read a passage like Colossians 3 which talks about putting off the old and putting on the new and again come before God and spend time reflecting and listening and asking, God, which of these things might you be asking me to put off and which of these things might you want me to be putting on and how in your strength could I go about doing that? Perhaps your discipleship goals will be around something like that or some other aspect of Christian life. But it's important for all of us to have goals about our discipleship. Our souls are more valuable than winning Wimbledon. What goals do we have for our soul? As I've been thinking about this over the last week, I haven't formed any goals yet, but I do know that one of my goals will be in the area of prayer because I sense that God's wanting to grow that in me. And so as I started thinking about that, I thought, well, what will I do? First thing I'll probably do is find some people who I respect as prayers and and spend some time with them, talking to them, listening with them, praying with them and learning from them. I'll probably find a book to read on prayer. And then I'll carve out some time in my diary to pray. What are you doing to grow as a disciple? We want to encourage you over summer to reflect on the areas of growth that God might be asking you to work on over the next 12 months. And at the start of next year, we want to create some space where you can share those with others who you feel comfortable with and where you can pray expectantly that God will be at work in your life, growing you as his lifelong disciple. Let's just go back to Peter for a moment. Let's face it, he didn't have a great day on this particular day that we've been thinking about in Mark chapter 8. I mean, pulling Jesus aside to rebuke him, probably not going to end all that well. But Peter kept following Jesus. 
even though those stern words came back at him. And because he kept following Jesus, Peter kept growing. We know that he had other bad days, like the day that he denied knowing Jesus. But we also know that because he kept following, God kept growing him as a lifelong disciple. We know that this same Peter, just after Jesus' resurrection, emboldened by that and empowered by the Holy Spirit, stood up and proclaimed the gospel fearlessly to thousands. And we know that Peter ministered faithfully to others throughout his ministry. And we also know, well, as the story goes, we know, that Peter also lived as a lifelong disciple until his own death. As the story goes, Peter was killed like his saviour by being crucified, hung on a cross. But Peter, because of his great respect for Jesus, his saviour, his master, his lord, his king, his messiah, refused to be crucified up, up the right way, like Jesus, and requested to be crucified hanging upside down. Whatever, I suspect that in those last moments, as Peter got to the end of life in this world, as a lifelong disciple of Jesus, he reflected back on his life and perhaps he even recalled this moment that we've been looking at and perhaps he was grateful that Jesus wasn't who he wanted him to be but that Jesus confronted him and challenged him about what it was to be a disciple of his because Peter took Jesus' words and Peter lost his own life, crucified simply because he followed Jesus. Peter denied himself, he lost his life. But as he was hanging there, he knew that he'd saved his soul, that Jesus had saved his soul. May it be for you and I that when our final breath comes, we too are thankful that in Jesus we lost our life but he saved our soul. Lord God, we thank you so much for your goodness in sending Jesus into the world. And we thank you that uh, you have come into the world as the king of the world. And we ask that uh, you will continue to refine and uh, challenge us about the Jesus that we follow. May the idols of our heart be stripped away and may we simply follow him. Strengthen us by your Holy Spirit to do that. And Father, we pray over the next couple of months that we might have time to reflect and listen to you and that you might put before us the things that you would have us grow in. And Father, then will you strengthen us by your spirit that we might grow as your lifelong disciples. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Bend Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmats.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.